Whole Whale has a big idea that could change the sector. But before we invested everything, we ran a small test and this is how we did it. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we turn our microphones inside Whole Whale, and we talk with our very own Laura Clevenger, the impact whaler here, who's been working on an amazing product that really is trying to solve a fundamental problem that we saw in the nonprofit sector, which is this moment when nonprofits get funding to find a, you know, a vendor to build a website or do uh, some amount of marketing or development on a database or some technical infrastructure. And we think it's akin to sending somebody with a bunch of money into a Las Vegas casino. I just got back from Las Vegas and actually did a little bit of gambling. And let me tell you, if you don't know what you're doing, you can lose a lot of money quickly. Fortunately, I ended up the weekend up, but not all of my friends were so lucky. And that's why we wanted to create a product, and at least a test, of a way that would connect vendors and nonprofits in a more effective way, starting with helping the nonprofits guide through the RFP process, asking the right questions. So there's a lot of different angles and ways we could have done it, but ultimately we took this big idea and I, I handed it to Laura. And this is how she decided to go about building an MVP, a minimum viable product that we're calling Snorkel. Let's jump into the conversation. Nonprofits understand the connection between their offline impact and the digital metrics that they can measure online to understand if they're moving towards that ultimate impact they want to have. Not a bad job. Not a bad job. <laughs> and let's just pretend I don't know what your day to day looks like. I feel like I know oh, God. Your day. What does your day to day look like? What is that, you know, to someone sitting listening being like, cool, theoretically, but what do you do? Well, every day is different, which is one of the best parts about the job. But I work a lot in Google Analytics, um, helping our nonprofit clients configure their Google Analytics accounts, make sure they're measuring the most important actions that users can take uh, on their website. I also do a lot of um, impact mapping. So we will send an impact survey to our clients. I'll get a better understanding of the things they're trying to do um, in the world, and I'll take those responses and create a digital funnel so we can help that nonprofit understand uh, how they can move the users down that funnel essentially um, so they can have that ultimate impact. I threw you a curveball earlier <laughs> uh, last year where we at Whole Whale like to create a, a new product that looks to help the nonprofit sector close this knowledge gap around data and technology and a service that helps it. And so you got especially interested in product that we now call Snorkel. Yeah, I forgot what we called it at first, but it was not as sexy as Snorkel. <laughs> what do you use the word sexy as Snorkel? All right, 
is uh, what is Snorkel uh, as a product and that was that launched this year? Yeah, so I don't know if it was this year, or I think it was maybe last year, we realized that there's really this gap in the RFP game, essentially. That what, is, what is an RFP? A request for proposal. <laughs> so <laughs> when uh, a nonprofit, or really any organization, but we work with nonprofits, uh, has a project they want to complete, for example, they want to rebuild their website and they need to get vendors to bid on their project. So a request for proposal outlines exactly what they want to complete. Um, budget, timeline, etc., and helps that vendor create um, the best proposal possible to complete that project. And so I said, hey, why don't we create a product, like a, a marketplace that potentially helps this, and we can put all these bells and all these whistles on it, and <laughs> yeah. they, can, like, they can apply, and then we'll get the vendors, and then they'll be matched up, and there's this whole like, rating system, and I gave you a budget, I gave you a budget of like $10,000 to go yeah. off and build it, and then you did something else. Yeah, I ended up spending less than $100 to prove our concept. <laughs> Way less than the $10,000 I was given. And I think ultimately that came from my personal doubt. I knew this was a problem, but I didn't know if nonprofits would actually seek out the product and if vendors would trust those RFPs. And so I wanted to create the MVP, which is the minimum viable product, um, for as cheaply as possible with you know as minimal time as possible to actually see if organically nonprofits would find this product, use it, and find it helpful. Um, so I ended up spending less than $100 and got the MVP up, I would say, within two weeks. Yeah, it was remarkably, uh, remarkably <laughs> fast because I remember at the same time I was also trying to finish the ebook we launched around yeah. uh, how to write nonprofit RFPs and you, you beat me in creating the whole product, um, which spurred me on to try, to try to complete that. So what were the metrics? You said you didn't know if it would succeed. What did success look like? What were the metrics you were sort of looking for that showed a sign of life to show you that this minimum viable product was actually viable? Yeah, that's tough because, I mean, I think there are around 1.5 million nonprofits in the United States, so there are a lot, but obviously not every nonprofit is rebuilding their website at the same time, so it's a little unique compared to maybe some other products where you're like, I want to have 10,000 monthly active users or something to show that um, the product is worth pursuing. RFPs don't happen as often because <laughs> you're not going to rebuild your website, you know, every month. Hopefully. So, <laughs> hopefully, yes. We really just wanted to see if any would come through actually organically. Um, and I would say within the first month we got two or three just random RFPs that we didn't even you know, do any advertising, we didn't do any promoting. We might have sent out one email to Whole Whale's List um, and organically we got a bunch of responses from that email saying this is a great idea and um, RFPs started coming in. So really when we're looking at success, originally we were just looking at the number of RFPs coming through the system and then we thought, okay, now we're getting all these RFPs, how can we help vendors you know, access these RFPs and ultimately help nonprofits get vendors that we know are trustworthy, they do good work, and that are going to complete their project um, on time and to like the best of the ability that they can. And so we started getting in these, these uh, proposals and then... George got a little carried away and started calling a bunch of <laughs> calling a bunch of vendors because we had to start, you know, matchmaking out here. Yeah, it's essentially a dating service for nonprofits and vendors, which yeah, you did get a little excited. 
about sitting in a way to vendors. Uh, and I think that's something you're good at is, is really seizing opportunities. So we started pitching vendors, essentially saying that, hey, we have this new product called Snorkel and we're getting all these RFPs in ranging, you know, from 10K to, you know, 150K projects. Would you be interested in getting them, you know? for a certain rate per year. And to our surprise, nonprofit or the sorry, the vendors responded extremely well. And it just ultimately proves the point that the system is broken and it needed a solution to connect the nonprofits to reputable vendors and for vendors to have proposals where they really know they can create or sorry, RFPs where they really know they can create good proposals. Yeah, it's not just a waste of time. Yeah, and I know like on Whole Whale's end, nonprofits will come to us sometimes and they just they don't even completely understand what they want and what they what they need to get out of a certain project. And having Snorkel, a product there that guides you through that process, okay, these are all of the things that you need to include ultimately. So it is very clear and it is defined that you're going to get, you know, back the best proposals possible. That, yeah, is not only helping the nonprofit, but it's helping the vendor. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So the people listening, like, what are the types of questions that are asked in Snorkel that help clarify the, the problem statement, that help clarify what this project ultimately uh, requires. Yeah, so we always start with sort of a background about the organization and, and why they're even creating this uh, RFP. If it's a website rebuild, for example, one of the main things we ask for is features. So ultimately what the nonprofit wants to get out of their website, uh, what kind of things they're looking for, if they want to integrate with MailChimp or with Salesforce, those are really important things for the vendor to know when they're bidding on a project and that a nonprofit might not outline if they didn't know to include that. Uh, Definitely timeline is huge and definitely budget. So you look at it and you're saying the words like this is a, a proof that it was such a broken system to use your words yeah like, what are, why is this so broken why why is this a process that hasn't really evolved despite the tremendous increase in our connectivity and our ability to find networks why can't i just google great firm and like spend my money and go find somebody yeah that's a great question and i really think it comes out of the fact that nonprofits will be given these grants or will come up with this money to complete this project and ultimately when they don't know exactly what they're looking for or what something should cost, they might be to be taken advantage of. And there are a lot of vendors out there that will willingly take advantage of nonprofits, you know, just because you have uh, 100K with your grant doesn't necessarily mean you need to spend the 100K um, if it doesn't take that much. Um, so we really are trying to minimize that broken system of vendors taking advantage of nonprofits in this process. And so if you look at, you know, we were just talking about outputs, but if you look at the larger outcome of why we are, you know, at least experimenting with this, what is the, you know, how is the world different as a result of this product as you see it? Well, as someone who is a fanatic of projects and timeliness and organization, <laughs> I hope that more projects are completed on time and <clears throat> as accurately as possible so nonprofits ultimately can have a bigger impact. Yeah, so it's the, uh, the precursor to having a, a true impact and guiding that process. And, Definitely. And also the vetting, it seems like you're, you're keeping an eye on the, the vendors that come in 
Absolutely. So again, as George said earlier, we're still in that MVP stage and we're realizing that we are going to need to start moving forward, building out a more robust system since, you know, the MVP has obviously been a lot of manual work for me at the beginning. Um, and as it grows, that's not scalable. And as we grow that system, we definitely want to put some some things in place where if we have a successful match and the vendor does end up working with a nonprofit on their project, we want to hear from that nonprofit about the vendor. How did you like them? Um, did they complete the work on time? Was, there, was the work what you expected? We want to hear that feedback so ultimately we know if we want to keep the vendor on the list or if we should be looking for someone else. Taking a step back, before, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm in a nonprofit, and I, you know, I love this idea of MVP. You're like, oh my God, how did you build that for, you know, less than $100? Yeah. Oh, of course you can do it because you work at, you know, a tech company that yeah. can like quickly do these things. <laughs> what is your, what is your advice for maybe somebody who's just been tasked with a big project but would love to sort of test it with an MVP. How did you design it? How did you also convince me that you only need to do a tenth of the work basically to, to test this in the marketplace? I don't know if this is a good answer, but I am probably the least technical person on the team. So <laughs> I had to be resourceful and I had to use the skills that I knew I had and move from there. Like I know, okay, I'm the impact whaler. You know, I'm not the developer. I'm not gonna be able to, to build a $10,000 website in a month. That's just not a skill set that I have and not good use of my time. So I knew that I needed to come up with uh, a way to build it quickly, um, more efficiently in a way that I could do, um, which essentially means it's dummy proof <laughs> that you know anyone could, could take on the system, build it quickly. So honestly, when I first approached it, I just thought, you know, what are we trying to do? Someone needs to fill out questions and it would essentially spit out an RFP. So I just did some research around different serving tools and we found Typeform, which is awesome. We love Typeform, which creates these beautiful surveys. And I thought, aha, this looks like a great website because you can customize it. You can make it look, you know, like it's all special and we spent tons of money on it when really it's just a survey platform that's elevated um, into what we wanted it to be. And that founded or ended up being like the perfect way to start. And how did you convince me that we didn't need to spend all this money to build a website? Well, I think we saved money. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a great answer, but if you know you don't have to spend $10,000 and you can spend less than 100 just to prove the concept, I think it's worth it instead of potentially wasting all that money and time for something that wouldn't work out. I felt, you know, I guess from my point of view on it, as you talked about doing it, I was like, I wanted to take a real shot at building this whole platform, but realized yeah. to your point saying, you only need to build the front end of it. And a lot of the intellectual property was already baked in mm -hmm. to the process. Yeah. And you didn't need a lot of bells and whistles ultimately. You needed to pass a litmus test. I mean, there's a logo, it's got a funny name, which yeah. we all, I kind of wanted to name it Narwhal, but I yeah. <laughs> got turned down. Um, I think also what's really unique about this product and the situation is the human aspect of it and the connection aspect of it in terms of we are connecting with the nonprofit and the vendors and saying like vouching for them essentially that we are saying, hey, here's a vendor that we approve that we like and we're doing that personal introduction. And if you just build out a platform and spend all this money on it and tell vendors and nonprofits like, hey, go post your stuff, go find your RFPs, and there's not that personal connection or that introduction, it takes that out of it and it might not be as successful. So 
as we move forward, you know, off of the MVP and creating more robust system, that's something we're really going to need to think about is how do we, you know, keep that element of um, personal ability and um, like the personal recommendation in the system. That's fantastic. If you had a time machine to go back to last year, Laura, what advice would you would you give her about this process? I would just tell myself that be prepared to spend more time on it than you expect. Just because something is an MVP doesn't mean that it's not going to take time. And that actually an MVP might mean that it is actually more manual and takes more time than you expect. I think that I thought I could get away without spending a lot of time on it or putting a lot of thought into it, and and that just wasn't true. Um, But I'm glad I quickly realized that and realized the opportunity that we have with the product and decided to, to devote the time. Yeah, some good advice. That's like a universe. Hey, by the way, whatever you're doing right now. Hey, this now, thing that you think is going to be easy is isn't going to be. As easy as you think this is going to be, guess what? Yeah. Why don't you two X that? So it was cheap in terms of dollars, but maybe a little bit more costly in the sweat equity. Definitely. Um, obviously, not as much as building a site from scratch, but. You know, anything new that you start, especially for me, this is my first product that I've really owned and, and, you know, it's like my baby, like I've taken it, taken it from scratch and anything new is is just going to be a learning curve and going to take time. Absolutely agree. While I still have you in the room, uh, for the people (laughs) listening, uh, a broader question, what is, what is some advice you have to, you know, other nonprofits tackling digital impact and trying to make the case internally? for, you know, we have a website and there are visitors here. Like, where does somebody start when they start thinking about this? Where do they start when they start thinking about digital impact? And how to make the case, right? I'm, I'm a communications person working at a mid-sized nonprofit. And I just, I just know that our visitors are just not cutting it in terms of reporting. Oh yeah, nothing makes me more frustrated than counting visitors as, as impact. Well, you know the quote better than I do. From yeah, from the reason we're lost, but at, yeah. least, at least we're making great time. We're lost, time. but at least we're making great time. And I think that summarizes it perfectly because if you are, you know, moving in a direction, plowing forward without measuring anything that you're doing, you could essentially be wasting not only tons of dollars, but tons of people's time. Like there are a lot of volunteers and you know, staff at your organization that are committed to the mission you want to have. And I think deciding to measure impact and, and really think about that is, is not only going to, you know, make you have that greater impact that you ultimately want to have, but it's going to show those people that really care about your organization that it's worth their time and um, it is really valuable. And so how do I move from, I have visitors, right? Like I'm sitting here being like, oh boy, I measure my users and my sessions. Like what else do I even begin to think about when I look at my website to measure? Yeah. Talking about these like metrics. Yeah, yeah. So obviously if you have a website, which we're talking about, there are multiple things someone could do on your website. So if I were a nonprofit, I would look at that website and think about, okay, what are some important actions someone could take here? Um, whether it's signing up for your email list, um, giving you a donation for one of our awesome clients, Donate Life America, for them, becoming a registered organ donor, a huge action they can measure on their website. So any sort of action that is indicating that a user or a community is moving in that direction of that ultimate impact is definitely something you want to measure. For some organizations, it's really hard to measure that final outcome that you want to have, that final impact, but measuring these things along the way is better than just assuming that you're moving in that direction. 
All right, and final rapid fire question. If you had a Harry Potter wand that you could wave oh, no. across the industry, and you could only change one thing, what, uh, what would you do with it? That's such a tough question. I mean, as the impact whaler, I feel like my response would be that every nonprofit would care about impact and measurement as much as they care about campaign creation. <laughs> so I feel like in our industry right now, campaign ide ideation and campaign creation is, is the hot thing and, and what people are paying the big bucks for. But ultimately, if you're not measuring the success of that campaign or the results from that campaign and optimizing it to be better, then it's not, it's not even worthwhile. So I would love it if I had the magic wand for every nonprofit to, to start measuring all of the important digital metrics that they should be. And for a final piece here uh, around Snorkel, how do people find the Snorkel tool? How do they use it? That's a great question. So you can find Snorkel, which is S-N-O-R-K-L, because we love dropping <laughs> letters. You can find Snorkel at gosnorkel.com, so G-O, S-N-O-R-K-L.com, um, and it'll have more information there. Thank you so much for letting me interrupt your day. Yeah, thanks, George. And uh, we'll have more resources in the follow. Excellent. Sounds good. There's some key points I think you can take away and bring back to your own organizations here as you, as you hear about this quick short case study. We had this big idea of wanting to change the sector. That's what Whole Whale is about. We want to close the knowledge gap in the nonprofit sector around data and technology through content and services and these products that take, you know what, sometimes moonshot attempts at making significant change. Three key points though here in, in this MVP is the first is that yeah, it didn't cost a lot to create this MVP, but it also did have a true cost that Laura says if she went back on a time machine, she would have said, you know what, it takes a lot of sweat equity to do this more than you anticipate, something to acknowledge. Number two is after designing this minimum viable product, there were key metrics that she was looking towards. She didn't think actually, that nonprofits would want to fill this form out, and she didn't think that even if it were filled out, vendors would want to be a part of this system. And so in testing these assumptions, she had key metrics that she could look toward to say, is this working, yes or no? Should we do more of it? Should we do less of it? And it was pretty straightforward because the metrics started to to add up on both on both sides. Finally, there's a piece for, for managers out there. This is an idea that I care deeply about. We've written you know, an ebook about it. We've had tons of online content around it. So if you literally search uh, nonprofit RFP examples, you're gonna end up with our content because we've been on this for a number of years. But I realized that if, if I were driving this, if I, you know, the, effectively the, the chief whaler, the CEO of the organization, if it was my energy pushing this, I don't think it would have succeeded. It is the fact that Laura got excited about it and took ownership of it. And honestly, I, I probably would have built a more expensive, yeah, minimum viable product. I, I might have spent a little bit more. I were the one owning it, I don't think it'd be succeeding right now. So that, that ownership and delegation to, to Laura, who's been able to drive this process, I think will be the ultimate key of uh, if this thing succeeds. And I say this not because I'm particularly terrible at building products or pushing new initiatives, 
But the fact of the matter is, there's a lot on my plate, and after a certain amount of time, I would simply become too busy uh, to put the proper thought and energy into this product. And it's a, just a reminder, and I, I've done it the other way, where I put a lot of energy into a product for a short period of time, but you know, big things take take a lot of time. They take a lot of attention. That is the the finding that I, I also came out of this uh, this process with. That's that's all I have for you today. Uh, you know, if you're interested, go take a look at it. You know where to find the, the product. It's at uh, go snorkel with a weird spelling.com or you can go onto the whole whale site and find it pretty quickly in the resources. This is episode number 55. Thanks for joining us. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at wholewhale. And thanks for joining us. Greg Thomas. Thanks, buddy. Love it.